0: Welcome to the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward, a podcast looking at legislation as it passes through Erochtusera in our national parliament. Welcome back to the Irish legislation podcast. We took a little bit of a break over Christmas, but we're back now and we're continuing to look at Irish legislation as it passes through the houses of the Oireachtas. And this is our first episode of 2021, but thanks for downloading, thanks for supporting. Please do comment or uh, let us know if you have any ideas for the podcast. Well, you're very welcome to episode 10 of the Irish Legislation podcast, and today we're talking about the uh, Period Products Free Provision Bill 2021, which is a Labour private members bill from Senator Rebecca Moynihan, and this bill was published on the 19th of January. Uh, interestingly, there was another uh, bill which was discussed in the chat, which was a Free Provision of Period Products Bill 2021, which was a Fianna Fáil private members bill sponsored by Senator Rain- Lorraine Clifford Lee. Um, Rebecca, thanks very much for joining the podcast. I know we talked about this issue a long time ago, and your bill was published last month. Can you tell us what the bill does or what it hopes to achieve?
1: Okay, so okay. Um, the bill that I published is looking to put of period products on a legal and legislative basis. And that it's underpinned um, with a couple of kind of key principles and key areas in or in the adoption of it. Um, so we modelled it on the Scottish bill and um, because Scotland took about four years to get theirs through and they had a very similar, um, they have a very similar makeup um, to us, um, but they had like trialled a couple of issues and there was a couple of things that had come up in the course of their kind of pre-legislative scrutiny. So as a starting point, um, I modelled it on the Scottish legislation um, and then knowing that there are other parts such as um, section... Thirty nine organisations that needed to be incorporated um, into the Irish uh, into an eventual Irish uh, scheme. What I also did when I published the, the, the bill at the same time was publish a kind of a consultation questionnaire, so people would be able to feed in to what the bill contained, but also what they would like to see. And we got a couple of really interesting kind of results and suggestions from that, uh, which I'll probably talk about another time. So. There's a couple of key parts of our bill. So first of all, it places an obligation on the Minister for Health to make period products free, available in schools, educational facilities and public service bodies, right, which are public service bodies and um, can be defined by regulations, um, schools and educational facilities as defined under the Education Act. And um, then what it says is it consults users about where and uh, what they want for period products. So let's say you're in a school. You will then talk to the people who are using the period products in the school, what type of products that they would like to have and where they would like to have them available. So you're consulting with people who are going to use them. And um, there's a really important point in, in the next one. And it's in the legislation. So it says that the product should be easily available, respecting the dignities of those who use them. So that basically means that people don't have to access barriers or jump through hoops. So in direct provision, for example, the Department of Children already are technically meant to provide um, period products. But what some places do is they provide products that people don't want or they do it as part of like a point system that you get a certain amount of points um, for personal hygiene products and period products then fall into that. So it's providing them, but it's also effectively not providing them. So implicit in the bill and underpinning the bill is that they should be easily available and respect people's dignity in terms of using them. Uh, One thing says that ensures that people should have a choice of products. Um, And then it says, where possible, promote environmental sustainability in the use of period products in the scheme. And then the bill also puts another obligation on the minister to engage in an information campaign so people know that the products are available for free. So people are let know that that, that it's there. So it's not saying, oh, well, we have the, these products in these buildings, but nobody actually knows about it. And it makes sure that, you know, it's getting out there. And again, that came from kind of Scotland. Um, and I know a couple of... Um, Students unions have done surveys on this where products are available, but people don't necessarily know where they're available or what's available or what's there. So it's an information campaign. So it's a relatively comprehensive piece of legislation. There's uh, a a bit more work that I would like to see included and, and, and done on it. Um, But obviously the other piece of legislation is the one that has gone through from second stage and is getting the backing of government. Um, We have concerns about that piece of legislation because there's no, um, you're a lawyer Barry um, and you understand that where you have delegated legislation that you have to underpin it with principles and procedures for the minister in order to be able to follow and that's not um, in the one that's there at the moment. So there's a lot of work to be done both in terms of underpinning parts of it.
0: I might come back to you about those issues. Before we do, um, we're joined as well by representatives of any time of the month. Um, Kiro Flynn and K- Katrina O'Halloran are with us. Uh, maybe, guys, you could tell us a little bit about this issue generally. Um, you're a student-led voluntary organisation, but I suppose it's a wider issue than that. Can you tell us what any time of the month does, first of all?
2: Yeah. So we're a student organization based in the University of Limerick. So we're just a group of students working on this in our free time, basically. Um, But what we're doing to tackle period poverty is we started with our, we call it a network of friendly strangers. Um, So the idea is we have our badge, which is Our logo is a pink background with a blue tick. It's nice and simple and discreet. And people can purchase our badges and stickers and display it. And it means that if you're wearing the logo, someone can approach you for a period product. If you have one, you can give it to them. Whereas you can help, otherwise you can help them find one of our partners who are providing them for free. Um, But our network is also helping to remove the stigma around periods because it's just creating a group of people where you can be comfortable about your period. Ask any question you want. You know, you might not know everyone in the network, but, you know, there's a group of people there who are there to help and support you as well. Um, So that's kind of one aspect that we're working on. And when you purchase on our website a badger sticker, it means that one purchase equals one donation of period products to those who are most vulnerable to period poverty in Irish society. Um, and we're also running other aspects of our um, projects, such as we've started um, period positive workshops with third level student unions. So we have six colleges in Ireland who are on board with that. And as Rebecca mentioned, you have student unions providing free period products, but we also see the need to couple that with education. Um, so we talk about, you know, how to be inclusive with your language around periods, how to be approachable, how to be aware of different cultural backgrounds and needs when it comes to a period. So that's what we cover in those areas. And we're getting on board now with our organization workshops. So organizations can become any time of the month workplaces, which means they're paying to do our workshops and they vouch to provide free period products for their employees and or customers. So this way it is opening up period products to be accessible for everyone, um, no matter where you are. But also the profits from this will also be used for us to further our education with educational institutions, such as the student unions that we've been working with and to provide more period products to help you know eliminate period poverty in Ireland.
0: Uh, thanks, Cajun. I mean, This is, a, I think, a fantastic organisation. How long have you been in operation?
2: We started in 2019, but um, we've really taken Mm -hmm. off um, throughout 2020.
0: Great. Well, that's great to hear.
1: Can I say Barry, I did a workshop with them last week and it probably was one of the best workshops that I've done. You know, sometimes workshops can, you know, not be engaging, but certainly like if I was a college student, what any time of the month did, it's really interactive. It's really informative. Uh, Their social media is absolutely great and I'm, I'm so impressed. After coming out of the workshop, I just it it was one of the best workshops I've attended in a long time.
0: Well, yeah, that's great. Um, And Kira, just Rebecca was mentioning your social media and your online presence there. Where can people find out more about any time of the month?
3: Um, People can find us on Instagram. Our username is any time of the month. And it's the same across Facebook and Twitter as well. And we're also on TikTok. So we're we're down with the kids now. So you can find (laughs) us on TikTok as well.
0: Uh, I was just looking at your website, which is anytimeofthemonth.com, and there's a three-step process there. And uh, Katrina was talking about kind of buying the package. Can you tell us about how it's funded or what exactly is involved for anybody who wants to to help out?
2: Well, I guess it's just, you know, once you purchase it, we get sent out the badges and stickers. So we stock bought a lot of them so that we have them cheap enough but also all of our badges and stickers we're very conscious of the environmental aspect so they're made of all recycled materials so that's why we we're very conscious of that aspect of it um so when you get you receive your badge or sticker you can display it however you want and we just
0: all the they're, they're, that they're amazingly cheap like the, the badge is only six euro the sticker is only four euro
2: Yeah, so we wanted to make it as accessible to people as possible because we started off like as a student organization with college students. This is where we started and people wanted to support the project as much as they could. So we have our pricing model done that, you know, one purchase of a Badger sticker means we can donate um, one pack of pads or one pack of tampons to someone who needs it. So, you know, you know, you're directly helping with your purchase.
0: And it, and it's open to anybody to get involved. so if you're you don't have to be a college student, you can be anybody at all can buy one of these, and then is the idea that they would carry a product with and they would be available to somebody else who might need it.
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. It's open to absolutely everyone. And, you know, if you have a few spare pads or tampons around home, you want to throw them in your bag and bring them with you. You can have them there. But we're also aware that, you know, we, that we won't put that onus on everyone. So it's just kind of like be aware of where some of our partners are. So it's currently the student unions um, and we're going to start expanding out to organizations as well who will be adding to the list. So just that if someone approaches you, you can say, well, you can go to this place and they can help you out as well.
0: Uh, that's great. Um, just to, Rebecca, if I can come back to you. We actually had a debate on this in the Shannad, uh last week on the 8th of February, and it was specifically debating the FIDA bill, which I know you have issues with. But in the course of that debate, I, I suppose I was maybe, because I'm a man, surprised by the extent of this problem, which really hasn't received much public airing in the past. Can you talk us through, or yourself or or Katrina, maybe just how this affects people and how big a problem it is?
1: So, um, I think both any time of the month, Plan International, I have done my own research um, that have popped up. So, Plan, like, let's take the Plan survey. Uh, 50% of um, p- people who get periods um, have missed school um, as a result from it. Um, I think any time of the month have 74% of people who've worn periods for longer, longer periods of time than they would have otherwise done. Um, And and I suppose one of the things that I'm really conscious of uh, in this is that, like, if you make period products universally available, we don't have... We don't have the same issue with, let's say, toilet roll, Barry. OK, so I always use this experience when I say to men, you leave your house and you don't need to take toilet roll with you. You kind of take it as a given that every single um, place that you go into is going to have toilet roll that are there. So you're not worried about it. So we don't talk about things like to- toilet roll poverty. Um, I initially started this back in 2018 where on dublin city council you know after a couple of years of being frustrated and then also seeing what was happening in scotland i put down a motion to say that period products should be available in all of our buildings right so all of our recreation centers libraries um and community centers and also just the the, the city council buildings and they did a rollout of a, of a trial product of a couple of them and i remember going to one of the ones that was in my local area which was in Genore avenue Um, And first of all, uh, the the staff there were saying it was so amazing the response that they had to it. You know, everybody was delighted uh, that they were there and they were really surprised and they hadn't really thought about it beforehand. But also the key thing that came out of that was it wasn't abused. You know, people didn't take like take loads of them. People took them as they needed them and they were there. And I think there was a case of, you know, one woman who came in and said, is it okay if I take, you know, more than one? And then the, the, the porter was like, yeah, absolutely, of course you can. Because if anybody had, needs them, they should be able to be there and take them. And my aim with both the work in the city council and then trying to raise this uh, in, in the and give a legal basis to it is to try and make products universal so you don't have such a thing as period poverty. And I'm always really, really conscious that, that when we talk about this, we have to respect the dignity of people when it comes to that. And I, I don't like holding up those kind of stories sometimes of like shocking stories for people, but actually say, this is a really easy thing to address. We have a facilities management unit in all government departments. We have procurement units. We bought we buy toilet roll. Why don't we just buy period products to go along with it? And I said in the channel, because I was just looking at a bit of research around the kind of whole procurement area, and the, the government were able to issue a guidance to all government departments and agencies that they couldn't use single-use plastics, right? So plastic forks had to go out. And they did that without having a bill, without having a counter bill um, to it. It's actually a simple enough thing to do. Um, but I think, I like, from my perspective, the best way to address the issue of period poverty is to make it uni- universally acceptable and available and removing the stigma around it. And I would not like to see us get into a situation where we have a scheme that is, you know, defined vulnerable um, and that it's only made available there. Because, you know, for example, as we see when it comes to something like direct provision, the department do provide them, but often they don't do it adequately. Um, So I think uh, you need to have it that it's just universally provided, you know, every. Every building that you go into has a vending machine with period products there. If you can get a vending machine and you can get a partner to come and take money out of the vending machine and put period products in them, you can put period products in a basket. Now, obviously, my bill goes to it it, it goes a little bit further in terms of where you have, you know, vulnerable sections or people at huge risk you have things like consultation, you have respecting dignity. And um, I also think like, for example, local authorities in Scotland do a thing where they, they post period products to people. And um, at the moment, we're in that situation where a lot of um, community organisations or groups, So things like in the Irish Times yesterday and um, school completion project have saying that they noticed that uh, period poverty is an issue that's coming up for them. So they're posting people for products. So the bill goes a little bit further than that. So, so combining um, enhanced action for vulnerable groups and then also universal provision are the two things that I want to see come together so that we can actually just remove the stigma around this whole issue to begin with.
0: Well you mentioned stigma there and I know uh, Kira and Katrina were talking about one of the things that, that any time of the month does is try to address that. Kira, can I ask you um, you know, what has your experience been as part of that organisation of addressing that stigma or have you had particular issues there? Is it a major problem at third level or with other people you're dealing with?
3: Like the stigma around periods is absolutely insane, Um, and I think that's, it's so noticeable in any time of the month through our Instagram, we put up a poll on our story or a question box and it was, you know, tell us your first period story, you know, your first experience and the amount of people who said that they thought they were dying and they didn't know what was happening to them. And, you know, it was this big shock to them and, whether you're 11 or 16 when you get your period, still there was a big shock and a scare. So I think there's definitely like such a worrying stigma around periods. And even when we try, I know if some of us try to talk about any time of the month, maybe period poverty and stigma around periods, a lot of people our age don't want to talk about it because it's such a, you know, it's an issue. And when we did our research in any time of the month, we found that like, one in three college students experience period poverty. So I think what Rebecca said about universal provision is really important because, you know, that cohort of people under the age of 24, 19 to 24, are usually quite forgotten about. So there is a lot of kind of period poverty in that age of, you know, college students because you're trying to afford rent, you're trying to pay for college. And at the end of the day, you have to pay for your Friday meal or your period products, which you're going to pay for Um, And as well, we found that 75% of our surveyed college students said that they wear a period product for longer than the recommended hours, which is period poverty blatantly, but it's also a risk to their health. And, you know, that, of course, leads back into the stigmatization, because if you don't give people knowledge about their periods and what not to do and what to do, you know, you're only going to put people at risk. So period poverty, period stigma, it all ties into one another. So In combating period poverty, I think there's a big education gap that needs to be addressed as well. Um, And that's something that Anatole the One feels really, really strongly about. Um, So, yeah.
0: And have you had much feedback from users or people who've availed of the services to say how it has improved things for them?
3: Oh, definitely. We have had people all the time, you know, saying that they're more kind of open talking about their periods and they feel at ease. And I suppose the network of friendly strangers really makes people kind of rid their shame around their period, you know, and they don't feel as awkward or embarrassed, you
0: know. Yeah, and I you mentioned the term friendly stranger there, and, and I know that we were talking about earlier, there's a badge on the website about becoming a friendly stranger. That's the person who wears the badge or the stickers. is that yeah. right? Yeah. Do you know how many you have at the moment?
2: Yeah, so we're nearly, I was checking the website the other day, <laughs> we're coming up to 150 sales on the website, but wow. that doesn't include the student unions and all the ambassadors there who have, so like because we're getting profits from doing the workshop for paid with other organizations, it allows us to provide badges and stickers to student unions and education institutions. So there's people with the badges out there as well. So it goes a lot further beyond that. And as well, when you purchase a badge, you get two of them so that you can give one to your friend. So beyond the nearly 150 you've made a purchase, it extends a lot further than that as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well done. Um, Rebecca, can I ask you then, just coming back to the, the actual legislation, um, and the, uh, I suppose, the two different bills. Um, you you modelled yours on the Scottish um, system or the Scottish plan that was already in place, uh, whereas the, the Senator Clifford Lee's bill was more about providing a power for the Minister to make regulations in this area. Do you see any difficulties arising for that, or why do you think that what you've constructed works better than the other bill?
1: Well, as I said, Barry, you're a lawyer and you know that um, in, in delegated legislation you have to provide principles in, in in it and that isn't there. Um, it doesn't even say in the state. Um, it doesn't even say in certain facilities. Um, so, you know, I'd probably defer to you. I know you're a criminal lawyer, um, but certainly a lot of lawyers have said to me um, that um, it's probably not constitutional in terms of how delegated legislation works. Now, obviously, that can be worked through at um, a committee level Um, But I I do think that things like respect, easily available and respecting the dignity of users is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think things like consultation are so important. I do think where possible to promote environmental sustainability um, is important. And if you say that the minister can provide regulations, and, and, you know, like I see the government doing this all the time, that things are not left to law, they're being left to regulations. And... A minister can pres- prescribe very limited regulations, whereas I think there's a difference that you're saying every public service body has to make them available, and the minister backs that up, and and that can also be vindicated in law. You know, um, and, and I think that that's really important.
0: Yeah, and I, like in fairness, like there's there's a lot of very express. It's very expressly laid out in in the text of your bill. What about the cost of it? I mean. I'm really surprised and impressed by how effective any time of the month can be on such a tight budget, but it's obviously working if they've got so many people signing up to it. What is the cost likely and who will bear it? Will it be borne by central government or by local authorities or by other organisations?
1: So central government essentially funds local authorities to provide certain services, including the management of their building. central government essentially provides um, colleges and schools to provide certain services you know including you know management of things within in, in their toilet. Um, so so Scotland have it estimated at about um, 23 million. Uh, We don't know what the estimation is, you know, because like that certainly wasn't done in the report that came from the working group, which I I thought they might get a a bit more of a hold um, on that. But I I don't know, Barry, like, what do you think the cost of providing toilet paper and soap within government buildings are? We don't know. We actually don't ask that. Nobody's like, who's going to pay for this? Um, And I think that the same principles should be applied to something like this. And I also said in my speech like this time last year, I walked into a shop and there wasn't hand sanitizer there. Now there is hand sanitizer in every single building that I walk into because everywhere provides hand sanitizers as a matter of course. It's now something that you're probably going to see being standard. I want period products to be the same. I want to never have to talk about this again. I want period products to be available for people where where they go, where they use and you know and um, them to become so normalized that we never actually think about it and the thing with periods are they're so shameful and stigmatised. When you go to the bathroom, if you're in a pub, you go to the bathroom. You just go to the bathroom. Nobody says anything else. You go to the bathroom. You never go. Oh, I'm going with my period, and you know, you put a tampon or a pad or whatever up your sleeve. We hide it too much, um, and I, I want that to end. So that, like, that's the, the answer to the question I have on the cost. Nobody can tell me what the cost of toilet paper that the state provides is, and so I don't think we should be having us to discussion about the cost when it comes to period products in the same way
0: you know fair enough can I ask you then just in terms of procedural aspects obviously the Fianna Fáil bill has now been discussed in the channel so it has passed second stage and um, it is I suppose different in its makeup to yours do you know what's going to happen with that bill or with your bill are there any plans to bring it further or are we waiting um, for government well, to give it the nod the, the,
1: the government have made it clear that they're they're backing the Fianna Fáil bill you guys have the numbers when it comes to that. So I'm going to work.
0: I'm neither in the government nor Fianna i right?
1: <laughs> I'm going to work very hard to make sure that the eventual bill and regulations that come out of it are based on the principles of period justice. Um, and based on the principles of universality and period justice and I will be making amendments to that end and I'm very passionate about this issue Um, and you know it's taken a a long time to even on the city council myself to work through to get it rolled out it has never been easy Um, but I will certainly work and liaise and deal with different campaign groups and I got an incredible response to my survey on it uh, to try and make this the best piece of legislation that we can possibly have and if we are going to provide free period products we are going to do it comprehensively we are going to do it universally and we're going to do it in a way that respects the dignity and justice of people who are of those products
0: yeah, the, In the debate in the Shannon, um, Minister of State at the Department of Health, Frank Feehan, uh, was the minister who dealt with it. And in fairness to him, he referenced both your bill and the bill that was actually before the Shannon that day. He said the government would support it and he said he, they, the government would do the right thing by the issue. I'm just wondering, has, has there been any discussion of a timeline or or any talk with you about that?
1: Uh, No, Um, No. I think that they went to the Women's Caucus and I think it's been sent on to the Health Committee. Um, I would be quite conscious, you know, this is a piece, a piece of legislation. Um, It needs to go through the committees of the House as opposed to groupings within the House, informal groupings within the House. Uh, It needs to go through the proper legislative channels. Um, And I That's why I'm very conscious that it should be going through the Health Committee and maybe to a lesser extent, the Education Committee as well to have have a look at. So I imagine it will take that thing. Um, Government members refer to a scheme being in place and substantial money being in place for it. That's certainly never been publicly announced. Um so I, I don't know the situation or the story with it with that. Um, but nobody has contacted me um directly about it. But I will be working through the procedures of the Eurektis through the health committee and otherwise, and you know, doing my job as an opposition member in terms of putting down amendments and you know, like in ensuring that this bill is as comprehensive and as robust as possible. Um yeah. And then the rollout of it is going to be, and you know, an entirely different story in a battle because there, there is there is a lot of you know government buildings that might be resistant to this or just not even see the issue with it, you know. And um, so I, I, you could probably inform me more, Barry. Um.
0: Well, as you know, i they, they don't talk to me about them before they make these decisions. Guy, so If I can go back to uh, Katrina and Kira, just in terms of, I mean, you probably don't care which bill passes as long as something happens, but. Um, do you think this is something that, that we should really be seeing in the next month, certainly this year, or how do you feel about it?
3: Peer poverty isn't a partisan issue. Like, you know, it's just a social justice issue and it needs to be passed regardless whether you're you know, Labour or Fianna Fáil. So I think, I think Rebecca's bill has a lot more to it. Um, and on a personal level, I know that Rebecca's bill being passed would mean a great deal to any time of the month. Um, so, yeah, I, like, as I said, peer poverty shouldn't be a partisan issue. So that's kind of all I feel any of the month would have to say on that. Um, yeah. That's
0: great. Katrina, uh, do you want to have the last there.
2: word? Yeah, I was just going to add as well that, you know, with the bill, I think it's so important to push this through because a period is such a natural thing, yet it is causing, like, it still affects people to miss school and miss out on work directly because they don't have access to period products and they don't feel comfortable going to school because of that. So I think, you know, to make this happen, like despite what party pushes it through it's going to you know open up a whole new world and get rid of that stigma as well because as Rebecca referred to like I remember in secondary school you would hide your pad or tampon up your sleeve when you're going to the bathroom whereas at least if they're freely available there it gets people talking a bit more and you don't have to hide it as much so yeah it'll can I ask be a you, big step forward.
0: Yeah. you just talking about when you're school were you in an all-girls school or a mixed school a mixed
2: school a mixed school,
0: a mixed school. Yeah. Does that happen in all girls schools as well?
3: I was in an all girls school and we were a community like my secondary school holds a special place in my heart. But by God, when we were even in sixth year, how dare you utter your period or you would like shove it up so far in your sleep. And if it fell down, you'd, you'd almost cry with embarrassment and shame just because that stigma was there surrounding periods. Like, as I said, we we're all 18 year old girls. We're going off into the world, and we still couldn't talk about such a natural bodily function that we were all experiencing. So I think, like, that's just an indicator of how big a problem the whole period taboo is. If like you can't even discuss
1: it with your community of women, you know. Yes.
0: Well, hopefully, um, I think <laughs> can I very say much... sorry, yeah,
1: sorry Barry, can I just say on this? So you know, passing a bill will take some time. Um, But there's a lot of really great groups around the country who are already doing work on this. Minister Fian said in his speech that he hoped that his department will be able to work with a couple of them. Um, I've put him in touch with um, one group who are looking to roll out um, in September a a period um, rollout, period poverty rollout. They have a working group set up and they need funding and they have a wholesaler. They've done an awful lot of work on this. So if you can say to him that uh, that would be great. I've emailed him. They've emailed him as well as an introductory thing because he did say he would work with those different groups. So we can put something in place in an interim basis, particularly in the middle of a pandemic where we can send stuff out to people because, you know, even like periods aren't stopping when um, this pandemic is going on. And so many of those buildings are closed.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in fairness, I think Frankie Feehan is a, a fairly genuine, sincere guy. I will absolutely pass it on to him, whatever difference that will make if I can. But uh, I certainly think, I mean, again, I reiterate my ad- admiration for any time of the month because the work that you guys are doing will definitely address the issues that you're raising. Obviously, the bills that have been brought through the Shannon and Doll as well will help to raise this issue and hopefully bring it out of the shadows where where we can all talk about it as as grown ups, you know. But um, Rebecca, thanks very much for joining us, Senator uh, Rebecca Moynan, who is a Labour senator and sponsor of the Period Products Free Provision Bill 2021, and also Kiro Flynn and Katrina Halloran um, from the Any Time of the Month student volunteer organisation, which does incredible work, and will put up on the website all the contact details, the website and the social uh, media tags as well. Guys, thanks very much to all of you for, for all of your, your time and the work you're doing in this area. It will yield results, I know it will, in, in the near future. Thanks again.
2: Thanks. Thanks. Bye.
0: Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm delighted to be joined now by Senator Lorraine Clifford Lee from Fianna Fáil, who also put forward a bill in this space, which is called the Free Period Products Bill, uh, 2021. Sorry, Free Provision of Period Products uh, Bill, 2021, which was debated in the chamber on the 8th of February uh, in the Fianna Fáil Private Members' Time. Lorraine, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you very much, Barry.
0: Um, tell us about your bill and what it does.
4: Um, as you rightly said, it was debated there at second stage um, on the eighth of February, and it says exactly what it says on the on the front page of the bill to provide uh, period products free of charge, and it's. Um, it, it, it's in response to the all party motion or the cross party motions from the Women's Caucus back in 2019 that kicked things off politically in Leinster House. It's a, an issue that I had been speaking about prior to that and campaigning on. Um, but it was really, really significant when uh, we had the motions in the Dáil and shannon in 2019 It was put forward by the then um, chairperson of the Women's Caucus, um, Catherine Martin, who now, of course, is a minister. And it, Brought the issue to the, to the to the top of the political agenda. I would say it got cross party support, and it led to the setting up of the um, subcommittee um, on the national strategy of women and girls. And um, so that report um, published, or that committee published their report in recent weeks, and. The issue was also added to the program for government. So on foot of all of these developments, I um, drafted this bill. It was introduced and we have passed second stage with cross-party support. And the aim is to provide free period products to all who need them. Um, The issue of period poverty is one that has been surrounded by um, stigma and it has been happening very, very quietly. And therefore, we don't have exact data on the exact numbers of women, girls and trans people who are suffering from period poverty, but it's estimated to be around 85,000. But it could be significantly more than that. We just don't have the data on it because we've had a dysfunctional relationship with reproductive health um in this country for years and this is one step on the road to dealing with that level of dysfunction um, this particular issue has really enthused um, young women to get involved in campaigning and advocacy and seeing that their voice uh, matters and i think the level of interest from young women particularly in, in secondary school and in third level colleges show that it actually is a very real issue in their lives And it's an issue that has gone under the radar, but I'm happy to say it is front and centre of the political agenda and it will be delivered on. It's something that the Taoiseach is very uh, enthusiastically supporting. And of course, Minister Catherine Martin and Minister Donnelly as well.
0: Yeah, and I think in the course of the debate, we heard some pretty harrowing stories from various members about both things that they had experienced in some cases, but also things that have been said to them by various people who had contacted them. About just how, as you say, kind of there's a dysfunctional um, attitude towards it, and just how bad things are for particularly, I mean, obviously largely women, but particularly for certain sectors of, of, the, of society. Isn't that right?
4: Yeah, well, there we know that there are some very vulnerable people when it comes to period poverty, and they would be people who are suffering from homelessness and would be in active addiction and other very marginalised groups like um, people who are living in direct provision and also um, Roma and traveller uh, members. So those particular groups are uh, particularly suffering. And, you know, even like I have a friend who works with a homeless service and they distribute meals for, for people who are experiencing homelessness. And uh, she said, you know, and they would often give kind of food parcels and other kind of items uh, when they're needed. And she said when they have period products, they are the most sought after uh, items ahead of soap, toilet paper, um, canned goods, everything, it's the period products that they go for. So that's really, really harrowing. And, you know, it's its even an issue Barry, when it comes to girls' participation in sport. We know that girls' participation in sport falls rapidly at the onset of puberty. And a lot of this is tied into um, period poverty, not having access to enough period products or the appropriate period products. They're afraid of leaking. And because of the greater awareness, Um, you know, sports clubs can actually take steps. I've heard of a football club that because they were aware of this issue and they were educated and made aware about this issue, that they actually changed the colour of their football shorts. So they all now wear kind of like a dark navy football shorts and they have seen a dramatic increase in the amount of girls that are keeping on football And I think that's amazing. So this is one part of the overall jigsaw, Barry, of of solving our um, very kind of genderized approach to reproduction as well. You know, women by and large bear the financial cost of of human reproduction when you think about it. And uh, I think providing period products, even though you mightn't be in acute uh, financial distress, just the, the provision of period products in public buildings, for example, will lead to a better um, outcome for all women.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and one of the things that that came up in the course of the debate was the cost factor. And I see that Minister Frank Feehan, who was there for the government, estimated that um, the that the cost of managing periods in terms of sanitary products and pain relief has been is is over one hundred and twenty one. Euro per annum so it's it's not an insignificant cost really for people is it
4: it's not and when you think about uh, particularly with the pandemic Barry that you know women are bearing the financial brunt of the pandemic by and large and quite often you know that the extra 10 or 12 euro you might need a month or, or more depending on on your particular cycle or your flow um, a lot of women might just just mightn't have it And it's as simple as that. They're prioritising, keep a roof over their head, um, paying for for food for their children. And it it is a significant cost, and particularly students. I think if you talk to students, um, a lot of students would have at some stage in their their studies, would have experienced period poverty. And it can lead to people missing classes, missing um, other cultural and other social activities, which is a very important part of um, a developing person. Exams,
0: I presume, as well.
4: Exactly. Exams are missing out on vital kind of tutorials or or classes because you don't have access to these products. So it's really, really significant and it can lead to kind of long term consequences, particularly for vulnerable groups um, of women and girls.
0: So can I ask you about the kind of technical aspects of the bill? Um, I mean, your bill predominantly puts it in the hands of the Minister to make regulations in this area, isn't that right?
4: That's right, yeah. Um, You know, like every bill, Barry, um, amendments happen and I expect to be putting in some of my own amendments and I'm very happy to work with anybody else and I know there's an awful lot of interest in relation to this bill from the Women's Caucus, considering the issue actually originated with the Women's Caucus. Um, So we had a meeting the day after the second stage debate of my bill and everybody was really happy that we were progressing the issue. I think everybody felt that um, speed was of the essence and everybody was happy that we could all work together. Collaboratively, and um, to get the best bill that we can possibly get together, and I think it would be a very significant step for the Women's Caucus to to have um, help develop such an important piece of legislation and get it onto the yeah. statute books, and also for the Shannon as well, and um, because as you know, um, not a lot of Shannon private member bills make it onto the statute books,
0: and you do so. You, I mean, I know it has brought. Uh, cross-party support and it has the matter of the government now as well you do expect it to become law
4: yeah absolutely yeah. Uh,
0: yeah is there any indication I mean as you said it'll now move to we've gone through committee stage or sorry we've gone through second stage it'll now move to committee stage is there pre-ledges of scrutiny that has to be gone through
4: well I'm dealing with the uh, officials in the department at the moment so we're, we're working through that and we'll have some more information and I'd be delighted to come back and talk to you as, as we're moving it along
0: yeah, there's no indication at this stage of whether there's a timeline involved. Or I mean, are we likely to see the provisions you're in your bill enforced this year, would you say? Or I I would
4: hope so, Barry. Things are difficult to withdraw and shadowed sittings at the moment, being on reduced hours. But um from our discussions with the women's caucus, we would hope um or at least for the return of the schools and colleges in September, like that's the the target date that we're looking at for for that part of it, definitely. And Mr. Fian did um, indicate during the course of the debate that Funding was going to be immediately made available to target the very vulnerable groups as identified by the report. And, you know, I spoke to a number of groups after that and they were very, very happy. So that would be really important that the very vulnerable groups would be catered for that. We're not waiting for the legislation because, as you know, anything can kind of happen along the way. And we're in a pandemic situation and we've reduced sittings that the very vulnerable groups are dealt with very quickly. But I would hope, uh, because there is such political will to get this over the line, I would hope that um, the September, October kind of deadline can be adhered to.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems in the course of the debate, the indication was, as you say, there was cross-party support. There was an eagerness really to get it done, wasn't there?
4: Oh, absolutely. And I think um, it's a great help having um, Minister Catherine Martin in Cabinet because she was chairperson of the Women's Caucus when this issue uh, was first put on the political agenda here in Leinster House. So she is driving it along. But I know Minister Donnelly is very personally committed to it and the Taoiseach has taken a particular interest in it. It's something I would have spoken to the Taoiseach about a number of years ago, but when he um, appointed me as a spokesperson on health in the Shannon, it's, it's a topic I brought up with them that I particularly wanted to see um, get over the line. And he agreed with me and he's very personally committed to it. So, as you know, with all legislation, Barry, it's the, the political will behind something is the most important thing. And I'm, I'm really glad to say that there is really good uh, cross-party support for it and a uh, very strong commitment within Cabinet.
0: Yeah, and we spoke earlier to Katrina Halloran and Kira Flynn from Any Time of the Month. I know you're familiar with their organisation, but they're one of many who are promoting um, awareness around this issue, but also concrete measures to deal with it. So hopefully, um, this bill will help them along that way and, and deal with a lot of the issues they're facing.
4: Absolutely. And I think, you know, a number of people during the course of the second stage debate mentioned Claire Hunt from Homeless Period Ireland, who has been. You know just doing absolutely phenomenal work for very vulnerable people and it's all of our efforts together have gotten this to where it is and you know I'd like to acknowledge everybody in their efforts and and Rebecca Moynihan and uh, who when she was on on Dublin city council put down a motion um there and that kind of led the way with other councils I know a lot of my Fianna you know, Fáil colleagues around the country have put down motions in their councils, so we have a lot uh, of support um, at, at kind of local level, political support at local level and the voluntary sector as well. So, you know, the legislation is only one piece of the, the puzzle here, Barry, because it's about raising the profile, cutting down the stigma of, um, of periods But it's also about addressing women's health and investing in women's health. And this um, legislation will see a significant investment in in the public health of women in this country. And we all know that uh, women's health has been vastly underfunded down through the years. So this will really, really help towards recognising that and, and funding it.
0: Fingers crossed that this bill is going to make a difference and we look forward to its passage further through the Shannon and the Dáil. Congratulations to you on on getting agreement on it and the best of luck with it. Senator Lorraine Clifford-Lee, thanks very much for joining us on the Irish Legislation Podcast. Thank you, Barry. Well, that's it for this episode of the Irish Legislation Podcast and some good news from the legislation that's going through the Shannon and will hopefully pass through the Dáil and become law. I'm very grateful to Senator Rebecca Moynihan, Labour Senator, uh, for joining me. Also to Katrina Halloran, uh, who's a fourth year international business student at UL, and for Kiro Flynn, who's a second year uh, European studies student at UL, both of whom were on to represent any time of the month, a fantastic organization. And I'd certainly encourage you to to look them up and to support them in any way you can. And also to Surren- Senator Lorraine Clifford-Lee from Fianna Fáil, who also joined us uh, to talk about her bill, which was debated in the Shannon on the 8th of February. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for downloading, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward. You can get me on Twitter at Barry M. Ward. Don't forget to subscribe, and you won't miss any of the episodes as they come up on a weekly basis while the Oireachtas is sitting.